Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Celebrity Interviews Live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Neil. I'm so excited to talk to our guest. Yes, exactly, because he loves wine like you love wine. So I'm excited to welcome to the show Kevin Buckler. He's the founder and CEO of the Racers Group and Adobe Road Winery. Uh, Kevin, thanks for stopping by, man, and I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Kevin, so let me just jump right into this, specifically your race car driving career first. Let's talk about that. Explain that to us and how this mixes with the wine. Yeah, sure. I'm a Southern California car kid and Newport Beach surfer kid from way back in the 70s. And when I went away to, you know, seek your fame and fortune, I ended up going into a, a real estate business in the Midwest and worked my butt off and always had a little car, have some fun with it. And when I came back to uh, came back to the Midwest, we were a little company they're kind of taking a chunk out of like an armor under armor and and nike and uh, i decided it was time to exit and so what, what am i going to do you know what i what i'm doing and what i love to do is cars and wine came back to california in 92 you know that joke uh how do you make a small fortune in so we figured out a way to uh, not risk our capital and started racing no internet no anything magazine ads and a lot of people pushing from, from from behind. And indeed, we started a professional sports team based around Porsche race cars. And that was in 92. And it just, it was the Rocky Balboa story that just kept growing and growing. That's cool. Oh, that's phenomenal. So you won a bunch of like Rolex races. Tell me about those. Yeah, we when we went, we were starting to race. It was in, you know, local sports car events, local autocross events. And I think I'd now had a, you know, a proper shot ever in a, in a pro race. But one of my good friends, Mike Kobler from Togo's, he was with me in the stands. And uh, 1994, all the big boys are there. And he's like, hey, Kev, you know, boom, hits me on the shoulder. What are you going to do? We should we should do this race next year. I'm like, Mike, it's expensive. He's like, ah, I'll cover the car. You figure it out. So, all right, the gauntlet is thrown down. So now it's time, you know, a year later, here we are trying to get, you know, get the car going. We've got but the cool thing there at Sonoma Raceway back then was everybody was very collaborative. You know, we had everybody was helping, you know, it was like it was our car, you know, our team. And so we debuted the car. And, uh, you know, I remember the guys sticking their microphones in at the last minute saying, you know, how are you going to do all your heroes rider today? And I'm like, ah, I just want to stay out of the way. And <laughs> we won. <laughs> we won. And so nice. right flag to flag to flag. And I think Deborah and I were driving home that night saying, I think we just changed our life in some way. Well, fast forward, you know, to 10, 2002, which is 10 years of business. And I had a bunch of really cool partners that had been involved with us on the racing side. They'd been taking in money, making making money with their sponsorships any way they could. And they said, you know, we would love to. I've been going to Daytona for for seven years at that point and always getting my butt whooped because yeah, the resources are incredible to try to make it work. So we went down there, properly equipped, train, train, train. They said, look, we'll back you if you promise to try to, you know, do what you're going to do. And uh, indeed we went down there and we freaking won the thing. And uh, we were a total no-name team. We were staying in a crappy hotel, double up on the rooms. My wife called it the stinky cheese hotel. <laughs> right next to the track, so you didn't get any sleep either. So that's never very good. But no, it was just all really bad until the green flag, until the chocolate flag dropped. Then it was really good. So, oh. um, but it taught us a taught us kind of a lesson. I think at that point and the very next race was where our I think world really changed. You know, we we'd been. Um, I'm a strategy guy. That's my thing. That's my thing. So uh, the logistics and all that other stuff, even with the design. You know, I, I design all the stuff, but I can't draw a stick figure. So we have a really good team. And I will say that over and over and over. Team, team, team. I might be the quarterback, but I can't do anything without that team. So uh, here we go. Going back to Lamar. Going to race. A little tight. Crappy hotel. You know, limited resources. But we had a good car, good group, good guys. And it was always intimidating. I said, guys, listen, close those garage doors and don't look around. Because it's the worst thing you could possibly do. Just don't look around. Look, we beat some of these guys last, you know, a couple months ago at Daytona, and um, you know we're good. And and let's just let's be let's be humble, and let's do our job. But let's whatever we do. The one thing we learned: you cannot change the course. You cannot change the hype. You cannot change what you can change 
is your own personal performance. And it sounds so simple, but in professional endurance racing, the number one thing you have to watch out for is enforcers. And uh, man, oh man, fuel and tires are the strategy, but sure as sure snuff, you know, it's just uh, something goes wrong. You're chasing the guy down into the bus stop, going a little too deep. Your hair is on fire. You're the number two driver for Porsche in the world. You're going to get this guy. You're going to get him. And then you got your you got your splitter too at the same time. So just reinforce here as you can. And that was our that was our goal, and we did it, and we won. So you know, it's amazing. What heroes did you beat that one day that changed your life? The factory drivers that we've been chasing before. You know, all the guys. The I think it was you know Lucas Lore and. Sasha Mason and a lot of the factory Porsche drivers, and then from the other teams as well, from Ferrari. Um, and us Porsche guys, we don't pay as much attention to that, but they are very fast, come to, done done very well. But it was uh, it was to me it was the big boys at the time, so we became one of them. And what did, what I I want to understand more professional racing outside of some of the what is the professional racing you compete in, and what's the difference between some of these other racing venues and things like that yeah sure it's easy for me to explain because a lot of times people are confused you know the confusion within professional sports car racing is there's so many classes you know you don't know which one a prototype one or a prototype two or a gt1 or a gt2 you know if i had my way a long time ago i would have probably ended it all and just been gt gt1 and gt2 but i got i got slapped for that when i said that one time but um we, we love seeing the manufacturers involved with the high level with the prototypes. Um, and they are amazing using, you know, new green technology and the things they do to sort of, you know, win on Sunday, sell on Monday type of thing. But um, yeah, we, uh, we run four different classes. We're running in the basic class that looks like the car behind me back here. It's a GT, a GTS, GT Porsche number 66. And you recognize it as a Porsche. You recognize the Astons, you recognize the BMWs. And so um, I think that, ends up being a lot of a fan favorite and i think that's cool but uh of an 80 car field at Le Mans uh or daytona we're you know we're 50 40 50 of the cars and um it's just it's always been challenging really challenging there isn't that wild greg i mean think about daytona and then the places he's he's been able to be racing in and how he started from the ground up to get to that that's that's a great that's success amazing. story Below the ground, we start. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from from surfing in Newport Beach, right, to this—that's amazing. Newport Harbor High School, baby. They don't, you know, I got it, got it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just, I just started this two years ago. It's the COVID protest here. I do. I get a lot of shit for it, but um, it's okay. We'll see what happens. <laughs> that's crazy. Hey, you have to, you have to get a Porsche based e foil. You know, jump on one of those, ride those waves. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about the winery, Adobe. Mm -hmm. I love that. Tell me about that. I looked at some of the bottles. They were pretty amazing. You know, Redline and Gear. And I was, I was pretty. If we got great. anything here? Yeah. So the I'll grab one behind us. So we started the the winery called Adobe Road. We started it as our prime brand, and it started back in two thousand two, and uh, me and a couple of buddies back here. And I realized I was actually getting invited to be the seller rat because he needed someone to clean barrels and stuff. I said, yeah, okay, I got to yeah. use my calls are getting answered. Now I got to start over again. Um, but we make 14 different wines from an entry level uh, Sauv Blanc in Knights Valley um, to a Primo, um, Bacca Lupe, what's the name of the vineyard, uh, or San Camo Pinot Noir or Chardonnay, all the way up to the Beck stuff or Napa Cab. And the significance of that and how funny how the world ties together is my friend and I were car guys when we started, but we couldn't find anything significant to um, to uh, come up with our names. There is a little secret. I don't mind showing you. I don't show very often. Right on the hill of this bottle right there, there's the outline of the 911 Porsche. Oh, it's I can see every, it. It's on every single bottle we make. And the funniest story I've ever I'm in Germany at the banquet at, with the big boys at the Porsche, Porsche banquet. And someone comes over and says, you know, Mr. Moldar, I'd like to see you. I think he was the president at the time. I'm like, oh, shit, what happened? And he looks at me and he says, you, you see this? You see this right here? This is not approved. Not approved. I'm like, you need to take these off all. I'm like, can't take and then he looks at me, three seconds, four seconds, five seconds. Just, <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, they're drinking the wine, having a good time. 
<laughs> so that's our that's our brand. We have about fifteen wines, and we're really into the the diversity in a different sense. We like making a lot of wines, and my winemaker does a great job. I'm the I'm kind of the palate of the winery. Um, I've got a big cellar at home. I read a lot. I travel. I my magazines, but I can't make wine. And so one of the things I learned going back to the Le Mans days is, you know, synergy and teamwork is by far best. If you can get someone that you can, the you know, the sum of the whole is great. It's a, it's a really good thing. Well, we started the second brand and that was the, that was the kickoff with, we want to have some fun. If you guys remember that prisoner, that little son of a gun sold for almost $300 million. And so this has got the tipping tachometer on the front here that moves with the bottle. Oh, wow. That's always fun. And the wine's delicious. And this one's the shift, which I love because not only is it a great wine, got a 93 in Parker, but of course it's got my own. We're non-denominational here. It's got a gated Ferrari shifter in the front and a pop top. And I hand this to someone just before I hand it. I say, oh, wait wow. a minute. Wait a minute, ma'am. You can drive a stick shift, right? And she says, no. I go, you can't take that bottle. <laughs> anyway, fun with that. This one's called um, the 24. And it's um, the 24 is a is a kind of a place that Grenache, Syrah, Mouvedra, really into these blends. And it's hard to make the wine. And it's hard to win the watch. So we have a little bit of fun with that. Really good wine. We have our newest one. Well, there's the the big dog Cabernet, this will fight anything in the valley. This is a grenade blend. You know, when you can kind of genetically enhance the wines with a little bit of yeah. this and a little bit of that, you got a little bit of an advantage. But this new one was great because this one's called Carbon. And Carbon was the Petite Syrah Malbec Petite Bordeaux, kind of the purple tooth stainer. And we're asking everybody in the company here, you give us some ideas for, for names. And Black Flag came up. I'm like, mm, yeah, some people crash. <laughs> like, what about, what about, he said, what about burnout? I'm like, aren't you the same guy that said skid marks last week? I said, You're out. <laughs> so, so we, we came up with carbon, and, and it's really nice. The bottle is a true carbon piece on the front. It's got uh, some little hex screws on it, and it's got a little, as you can see on the top here, a little hex access point. And we make a new red wine, a new white wine called 66, and that is a blend. It's our new Chardonnay Marsan Viognier. And my uh, current co-driver, Derek DeBoer, who's running with us, is kind of taking the handle. And it's a delicious red blend. And again, I love blends because why not? I mean, you can. I feel like you can always exactly. do better with these things. The Chianti Classicos of the old worlds are not what we're doing here. We're making them delicious. You know what I'm <laughs> noticing is he's niching down so much in race cars. So people that are going to buy his wine are going to be huge race car fans. I know you want to go to everybody else, but you know that – is anyone else trying to design their bottles to be like race cars? It's such a great idea. No, there's a few other companies that have done some clever packaging stuff, but ours was done, which, I, which I'm proud of, is it's just been my, it's been my whole style. Um, we didn't go to an agency to help us with a story. You know, ours is a story and it's about our story. And I think that means a lot, especially to the friends and fans that are involved, but then it's, I just think it's more serious. And, uh, at the end of the day, though, you better not make crappy wine. <laughs> the wines have to be good or it's kitschy. So we we were really hard on the quality of the wines day after day. Oh, that's excellent. I got to buy some and stick them down in the grotto. That's for sure. You do. We got an empty cellar that I can fill some of those holes up for you, man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, you yourself race cars still? Are you still racing cars? Just for fun. Um, we, do a, uh, we did a couple things with the Sonoma Grand Prix last year. Here's our three liter. This is a big boy here. Um, <laughs> and so I probably am going to come back because really good news is I just had a rotator cuff that I needed to get fixed. Took me four tries. Now I got to be kind of dumb to do three tries like that. So I got my fourth one. And then my old coach, I remind Shram and I might come back and run with Noel Lee from Monster Table. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's such a big world right now. And it's, you know, vibrant and fun and people are doing stuff. And, and uh, while we're there, we throw a couple of wine dinners. I mean, it all seems to kind of come together really nicely. We make everything work like what we're doing with the winery over here. I think we make everything work in a way that a little Facebook model. No one's ever done it over here in the wine world where everybody's kind of everything dovetails together really nicely. That's impressive, Greg. It's impressive his ability to come up with this idea. 
No, it's amazing. It's it's so incredible. But you know, I want to ask you a question real quick. I ask everybody this question, but uh, okay. you, know, what's the most important thing you feel that you've ever learned? Mm. The value of of good teamwork. You couldn't do it without it, and I mean it, and I say it, and I'm genuine about it. I mean, you can go out to those races and you can crash on the first turn, but I'll tell you this quick story because this is my takeaway. We used to go to speaking to a kid, my, one of my kids' science classes, all the way to 500 people from New York Life during Zoom. They would send 500 boxes of wine, whether it's a one-pack, two-pack, and they'd all get on at a certain time. And the messaging might, was kind of cool. They might have a little bit of messaging about their company for 30 minutes, and then it was, boom, me and Garrett. For those of you who remember Johnny Carb and Ed McMahon, you know, we were we were the entertainers for the next 30 minutes and have a lot of fun. But I told people, I said, look, the one thing we learned over the years, this endurance racing mentality. And what that means is, you know, we get to these races and typically like like the kids going to somewhere or going to Vegas, whatever, you get you look at the bling and you're focusing on the wrong end of the of the spectrum. And what you really should be focusing on is what can take you down? So in every case, whenever we go anywhere, whatever we do, first and foremost, we focus on what can take us down. What are the what are the risks? How severe are they? And get really good at those things. I mean, shore them up, practice them, study them. And then, you know, when you're ready to go, you know, you know what those downsides are. And believe it or not, how much that helps you. I mean, I have been on the track when two Porsche factory cars go driving by you. Let's not even use the Porsche word. Factory and and they're they're passing you so fast and they're chasing each other that they crash mm. at 17 hours in the race. It's like what were you knuckleheads thinking? I mean, my gosh, learning how to flow with traffic, learning how to you know when when to hold them, when to fold them, type of thing. So I think that's one of the most challenging and difficult things is having patience to run these races properly and personally, not give up, not back down, but just limit your mistakes that's the main thing unforced errors are the name of the game in terms of taking it down wow you know i was looking at you you decide you've raced in almost everything your your your, your company and that's got to be fantastic to know especially when there's an entry level into this industry right and you chose mm -hmm. not to follow that entry level right you chose mm -hmm. to think out of the box what advice do you offer out of the box thinkers that are entrepreneurs mm -hmm. to figure out how they can not hear everyone, all the naysayers saying, you shouldn't do this. This is not something to do. Go do it. Because if you look hindsight being 2020, your entry level into the race car business is not easy. And you chose a different route and it happened because you believed in it. What advice would you offer those people? No, Neil, you're very, very good point. Good, good observation. Because if you listen to everybody else, you'd still be, I think they all want to keep you down in a certain way. I love our business. It's very collaborative, but nobody wants a new team to come in and, and sort of have a great first year run away with it. So, you know, we, um, you know, we came in here, we already done our homework. We we're very, very cautious about coming in, kept our mouth shut and then did our business. Um, I think my 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 biggest advice there is to, uh, you know, know know the risks, uh, know, try to study your competitors, learn as much as you can, and uh, just be ready ready for the downside and hope for the upside. You know, just just you know, there's there's so many complicated little avenues about it that you you can be taken, and then people can kind of manipulate that a little bit into getting into your head, as they say, so to speak. Got he got into my head, <laughs> so. Don't let that happen. Any other questions, Greg, you have for Kevin? Um, your wine, where is it available? Is it national? Is it sure? We're small, but we're just starting off. It's Adobe Road Wines with an S.com. Adobe Road Wines with an S.com. You can even go to our racers group site, theracersgroup.com, and you can toggle between the two companies. We're so intertwined on stuff. And uh, don't worry, there won't ever be any exhaust smell in the in the beautiful Grenache here. Uh, my winemaker has a beautiful facility a few miles away. Eventually, though, it will be all under one facility. One of the neat things about the new business is that 25, uh, I don't know if I can screen share or not, but if I can, I would show you. I've got a $25 million beautiful uh, winery that works just right in the middle of a building right now. And, and she's a... She's, she's going. Screen share. Go ahead. Let's see this. Right. Let's see this. Yeah, better, 
Better get up here and make it very fast here. You can figure it out as Greg. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. And let's see. I want to see this for sure. Okay. So hold on one second. All right. Here, here we go. Okay. <laughs> this is perfect. Okay. This share something $25 million, you said? You're yeah, we started from scratch and it was it got bigger and bigger and bigger and um Here's the bottles. I'll show you this one too, really. We don't see any of the screen, so don't worry about it. Uh, I wish you could get to the screen, but you haven't been able to share it. Oh, now it comes. Here comes comes the screen share. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's the screen share right there. But the one you want to see is this one really fast. And I'm going to show you the website, and then I'm done. So the website on it is our our website. It's got a little screen on the uh yeah make sure you hit the the area that the the the, the mark where um because when you shared screen you shared the wrong screen so that's again something that an it professional like greg would tell you that's a no-no we're that will be edited out do you want to do you want do you want to see something so cool that no one's ever seen before that's it's it's a walkthrough of the winery high def 3d uh, it takes uh, just under three minutes if you have the time. It is so bitching. We can do it off. We can do it off air. That's perfect. Let's just do that off air. So we're going to kind of finish up. The best place, Kevin, to find information on you again is? Adoberoadwines.com will be the best one. All right. Be it. All right. Sounds good, Kevin. We appreciate it. All right. That was the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and celebrity interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Take care, guys. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also the Media Giant Effect. And I'm excited to welcome to the program Dr. Deborah Matthew of Signature Wellness and also author, speaker, everything. Uh, Dr. Deb, thanks for stopping by. And again, this is, uh, again, February and it's Heart Awareness Month. Uh, so it's a time to talk about specifically how we get our heart to be healthier because I, we focus so much on our day-to-day, we talked about January and about weight loss, but now let's talk about heart health because we don't want a heart attack or stroke to change our life dramatically because it can happen at any time. It can. And the good news is that there is so much that we can do in order to stay healthy and diminish our risk for heart disease. But we need to start now because you don't want to find out after the fact that it was a little bit too late. All right. So what types of things should we think about? Especially it's never too late because there are people could have heart issues younger too. So it's time to really be healthy. I think that 2023 has to be the year of health because we want to stay healthy. The more healthy we are, the better our life will be. Yes. Well, some of the things that we kind of know to do for our heart is has to do with our lifestyle habits, right? We know that exercise is good for our heart. And it turns out that really any kind of exercise is good. You don't have to exercise an hour every single day to get some heart health benefits. And it doesn't have to be cardio. Resistance exercise where we're, we're using weights and building muscle is really healthy too. Our heart is a muscle. Um, so any kind of exercise is better than no exercise. So lace up your sneakers and get out there because exercise is good for your heart. Another thing that's actually really important for our heart is what you're eating. And there's been mixed messages that have been super confusing over what is heart healthy and what is not heart healthy. Because, you know, you watch some of these TV shows, you know, the doctors and some of these other health shows. And on Monday, there's going to be a guest that says that you should be vegetarian. And then on Tuesday, there's a guest who says, no, eggs are good for you. And then on Wednesday, it's something different. And it's so confusing. But the one thing that everybody agrees on is that sugar is not good for us and sugar is not good for our heart health. We focused a lot on fat, but we probably should be focusing more on cutting back on our sugar and the processed starchy carbohydrates, you know, the white stuff, the white bread, the white rice, ripe potatoes, um, doing those in moderation. And the story with fat is a little bit more complicated because it's not that fat is bad for us. The reality is there are some fats that are good for us and there are some fats that are not good for us. So the deep fried foods, those are still on the naughty list, but the foods that are good for us, the fats that are good for us are um, 
the fat in wild caught fish. That's the omega-3 fats. Extra virgin olive oil is good for us. The healthy kinds of fats in avocados and nuts, those are called monounsaturated fats. All of those are actually really good for us. So in order to have a healthy heart, we want you to get healthy fats in your diet. That's very, very important. So it's like there's bad and good fats and searching them and looking them up is very, very important. And the fact of the matter is the way we're taught to eat growing up is not ultimately the best way to eat there. And that's the problem. And what we put in our body, why is it when we're older? Here's a great question. I'm going to kind of, as I summarize so far, what you've been talking about before that maybe people don't understand the older we get our digestion changes certain foods we know now are not as good for us, we can feel. Why is that? Why can we feel it more? And when we eat stuff that is not really good for us, we know it's not good for us. When we were younger, it didn't affect us at all. That's a really great question. Well, as we get older, you're right, our digestion changes. In order to digest our food, we have to produce acid in our stomach. So a lot of people know if they have too much acid, but it takes a lot of energy for your body to make that acid to digest your food. And as we get older, we're not as good at it. We don't make as much acid. And so it gets harder to digest our food in our stomach. And then if the food is kind of sitting there longer and not digesting well, it makes it more likely that it's going to go up and cause heartburn and reflux instead of going south the way that it's supposed to go. And your pancreas makes what we call digestive enzymes. So when your food gets out of your stomach and it starts going down into your small intestines, these digestive enzymes chop up the food into little molecules that can be digested and absorbed. And again, as we get older, we don't do as good of a job making these digestive enzymes. So as we get older, our digestion is just not actually as strong as it was when we were young. So sometimes when you're making the wrong food choices, you can pay for it a little bit more. You, and that's and then you pay for it in different ways and but it doesn't feel good and it's like well, okay i can get i can give this up now and then i'll say oops i shouldn't have, or i know now and it's great yeah, because yeah. if you can be disciplined enough to say even though it tastes so good it's not going to make me feel good and it's sure as heck not going to make me feel good on the scale or to be healthy as i need to be so coming up with that diet plan such important thing and in, in that process and why does that help so much in your heart health? Because we're trying to focus today on this topic about heart health. If we're eating more healthy foods, is it going to mean that heart does less work now because you're... Not exactly. What we have been sort of led to believe is that the way that you get heart disease is cholesterol clogs up our blood vessels to our heart, kind of like having gunk in your pipes, you know, um, in, so the water doesn't flow in your house. But so we're led to believe that cholesterol is clogging up the pipes, can't get blood flow to your heart. And that's what causes a heart attack. And that's actually not really the, the, the entire story. What is happening is there's inflammation in our blood vessels. And it's the inflammation that causes cholesterol to get gunked up. Cholesterol is like spackle. So it's kind of like our body is trying to repair the inflamed lining of our blood vessels. So it's really all about inflammation and cholesterol is just the side story. So when you eat more sugar, when you're eating more processed foods, when you're not getting enough of the vitamins and minerals that your body needs, what ends up happening is you get more inflamed because sugar drives inflammation. So when you're eating these inflammatory foods and you have more of these inflammatory chemicals floating through your bloodstream, the inside lining of your blood vessels gets inflamed and that's what starts the ball rolling towards heart disease. Okay. I got, I got it. So it's just one other thing. What other things should we think about? Uh, yeah. Okay. Stress is a really, oh important man, response. that's the one I had a conversation with another guest and I'm like, oh my, I just wanted to go and say, oh no, because yeah. this is one I think that so many Americans don't focus on is stress, right? The stress is not something that we talk about or we think about, right? And, and it's too, and it's too late because that the way we put stress. So explain stress to me more. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay. intrigued. And by it's not too late. And the good news is there are things that you can do about it. So um, it's not what happens when we have stress is 
cortisol levels go up. Cortisol is our stress hormone that helps us cope with stress. But cortisol is part of our sympathetic nervous system, that fight or flight response. And so when we're in that fight or flight response, our heart rate speeds up and it tries to beat harder because it's trying to fuel our body to run away from the saber toothed tiger that's chasing us. So back in the olden days, that whole response was really helpful to help us save our lives. But nowadays, our stress is more like you're stuck in traffic and you're behind the wheel and you're fuming and you're going to be late. And so we're not like running off those stress hormones. They're just kind of all building up. So when we have too much of this fight or flight going on, it's a stress on our heart. Our heart is having to work harder all the time. Um, and that's one of the ways that it contributes to heart disease. It's a really, really important risk factor that we don't pay enough attention to. But the good, good news is it's not actually about how much stress you have, because a lot of us have stress. We can't just wave our magic wand and make the stress go away. But what's re what really matters is how you allow the stress to affect you. So if you are somebody who worries about things, if you always jump to thinking about the worst case scenario, if you kind of ruminate and say that same conversation over and over again in your head, like, I can't believe she said that to me. What you're doing is you're taking that stressful situation and you're just making it so much worse. On the other hand, if you can learn to catch yourself thinking like that and decide, no, I'm going to be an optimist. I'm going to be one of those people who sees the glass as half full. If you can change yourself and stop thinking the negative thoughts and think about something positive, you can think about, oh, it's almost the weekend or it's the sky is beautiful today. Or you can always find something to be grateful for. And if you can be a positive thinker, you can still have the same amount of stress, but you actually diminish the harmful effects that stress have on your heart and on the rest of you. Because it's very interesting when you like, I probably have more stress now than when I've worked as a teacher or did certain things where it tremendously affected me because it was not enjoyable for me. It was, I enjoyed parts of it, but it was a lot of stress that was not fun stress. So you, what you have to do is identify that. So that goes back in the holistic point of view, what you do at your practice and things is you look at the mind, body, and spirit, and you're looking at specifically enough, the, how do you handle stress? Because what it sounds like to me for heart health is it's how we do it. So for example, if we have those tantrums or we, or we just go a hundred miles an hour and don't know how to stop ourselves from calming down and relaxing, we're constantly worrying or we're constantly thinking about things instead of just, okay, this just happened. Let's move forward, have a positive outlook and move on to something else. It's going to really affect us because we never get the chance. Am I correct? Yeah. And of course it's easier said than done. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but taking a few minutes to do some breathing exercises, go for a walk. I mean, there's lots of things that we can do that we know are stress reducing and we just need to prioritize those. Cause I think that most people know that they're supposed to be exercising and most people know that they're supposed to be eating a healthy diet, but this is just as important. It's kind of like a three-legged stool, but we don't focus on this. And in fact, in our society, it's almost frowned upon, right? Like if you're stressed out at work and you decide that you just need to go sit in a chair in the corner and just do some breathing exercises, like people will look at you like you're a slacker, like get back to work. Like what the hell are you thinking? Right. But, but it's important. It's so important. And uh, that's something that I definitely look at in 2023 to look at each day. And I think another one, and uh, if you have another tip of heart health, but these are so great because sometimes people don't think about these things. And stress is one that, yeah, we could do a topic in a show about, and how many people are depressed because of stress are going, are, you know, ha have caused other health issues because of stress, especially our older population. It's becoming more and more of an older population and they're worrying constantly about their kids. They're worrying constantly, even about their grandkids now. And they're worrying about everything. Worry is something that is very hard for people to eliminate because it, it involves, we in our society, look at caring. And if we're not worrying about something, we're not caring about it, which is not true. Yeah. And that's a hard thing because we, we can't control everything. We can, in our mindset, have control, but we can't control it through our body all day where we're thinking about it constantly instead of saying, I'm going to pass this on saying, this is what I expected to happen and move forward to something else. And you really have to train your brain. So that's it. Brain, brain helps your health too, right? The more mental, higher, better mental health you have, which is something in our country, the better your heart will be. You're correct. Absolutely. All right. Is there anything else you're thinking about? You've come up with such great ideas. 
about heart yeah. health. Any others? Another thing that's really important for heart health that most people don't know about is hormones. Hormones are really important. So for men, having a healthy testosterone level is important for the heart. Testosterone helps to keep our muscles strong and your heart is a muscle. And so men who have low testosterone have greater risks for heart disease. Um, and the things that we talked about, exercise, reducing stress, eating right, um, getting healthy fats in your diet, those are all helpful to maintain a healthy testosterone level. And for women, when we're premenopausal, we've got lots of estrogen and estrogen is really protective for our heart. That's why women have a much less risk for heart disease than men do. But once we go through menopause, our estrogen levels drop and then the risk for women goes up just as much as the risk for men. And women are, that's the number one cause of death for women. We think of heart attacks more in men as women, we spend more time worrying about breast cancer, but the reality is many more of us are going to die from heart disease than from breast cancer. And estrogen is very protective of our heart. So um, for women who are going through menopause, at least talking to your doctor about the possibility of hormone replacement therapy can be something worth doing because there are a lot of benefits of hormones and the risks have been sort of exaggerated and outweighed. And now we really understand better how to use hormones in a safe and effective way in order to get the benefits. Invest in your health. That's all I have to say is invest in your health. If you're not investing in your health, if you're not spending your time because ultimately, this is the thing, Dr. Deb, that people don't understand that they need to start. You're going to you're going to live longer because of technology. Do you want to be in a nursing home? Do you want to be in assisted living where you're basically are away from the world or you're going to start to work on your health today? Because, yeah, you can live to 105, but you could be living a not very fun life to 105 or 120 or 130 or you can choose now to make changes today. And that's one thing in my life I'm looking more and more every day to do because it's interesting. One thing I'll bring up that I know that you might have wanted to bring up was sleep. Sleep's another thing. If you're not getting enough sleep, that's gonna be bad for the heart as well. Can you explain a little bit more on that? I just brought, I heard that in another thing and I said, okay, I'm going back to eight hours. It's so hard to say, I'm gonna sleep eight hours, but it's so important for your body to rest that way. Yeah, well, there sleep helps in a lot of different ways. So one way is when you're in a nice, deep, sound sleep, that's when you're making these hormones that are so important to keep your heart healthy. Another is if you have sleep apnea, you know, if you if you snore and you stop breathing for a few seconds at a time while you're asleep, um, that is really, really hard on your heart because you now you're not oxygenating well, oxygenating well, you're not getting the air in and your heart has to work extra hard. So um, sleep apnea and not sleeping soundly at night is a really big risk factor. And if you're not sleeping at night, you it pushes you more towards diabetes. It causes problems with your blood sugar metabolism. And we're saying that sugar is inflammatory. And if you don't handle sugar well, then you become more inflamed. And of course, people with diabetes have a much greater increased risk for heart disease. But even if you don't have diabetes, if you're not managing blood sugar in a healthy way, partly because you're not sleeping, that increases your risk for heart disease. Functional medicine will help, right? And and there you have, a, it's very easy to find information on you. Two places. One, you can purchase your books and learn more about you, but also your, your practice. So go ahead and tell us two places people can find you. Sure. So we're in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the practice is at signaturewellness.org. And there's lots of information on the website. Um, but I think it's really important for people to know that you can't just go to your doctor and expect your doctor is going to give you a pill that's going to fix you. Because if we had a pill, we wouldn't have so many people struggling with heart disease and chronic illness. We don't have the pill that's going to fix you. But um, there is so much that each of us can do in order to take control of our own health and keep ourselves well. And working with a practitioner who can really dig and understand, do you have, are, are you getting the right nutrients in your diet? You know, what's going on with your hormones? Really dig deep, kind of like a 12 point inspection when you take your car in and you think that's what you're getting when you go in for your regular checkup, but really they're looking for diseases that you already have. I really believe that living well is the best medicine. Definitely. And then your website also just to find info on use. Dr. Deb Matthew.com. Is that correct? Dr. Deb MD.com. All right. Perfect. Thanks again, Dr. Deb. Appreciate it. All Thank right. You. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show and also the media giant effect. And I'm excited to welcome podcaster, author, Marisa Jones, Marisa. Thanks for stopping by. And you know, uh, last time we talked about workplace, we talked about specifically enough you know, self-care. Today, we're going to talk winter blues. Why? Because in Texas, it's 22 degrees. Uh, there is, we're, everyone is dealing with a cold streak unless you live in Florida. 
or you live in some tropical land. And when you don't see the sun as much and you're stuck at an office and you go out and it's dark and it's gloomy and you don't really get the opportunity to get the sunlight you need, it leads to the winter blues and then the cold and having to put all these different layers on. Why is it that people become depressed in the winter? Well, you know, our bodies are, we want to be outside. We want to be in tune to nature. And and believe it or not, the sun really impacts our serotonin levels and has such an, you know, just feeling the warmth of the sun and, and the vitamin D with the sun. Most of, a lot of us even take supplements for vitamin D, but being outside more than anything is what our bodies need. It's just really healthy and who doesn't love a day where you walk outside because the sun is shining and it's like you just want to be outside all day. So when the winter time comes and you're trapped in the house because it's raining, depending on where you live, it could be it's raining all day long or it's snowing or temperatures are in single digits. Um, it makes you feel trapped. Right. It makes you feel like you can't do anything and you can't leave anywhere except for, you know, maybe going to the work work or running some errands. And it just puts a damper on on your day and, and your mood and your mental health. I mean, there's a, yeah. there's I- a serious thing called seasonal affective disorder. A lot of people have it, especially in areas like Seattle, where it rains all day. Um, it's pretty prominent. Um I suffer from it. I definitely, that's why I'm here in Florida. I'm in short sleeves uh, because I have, I had to get away. Uh, you know, it was just really impacting me to the point where I needed to get out of town. Well, it's very interesting to talk about seasonal. Uh, think about Pittsburgh next to Seattle, Washington. And that's where I was for X amount of years. Now I'm in Texas and I'm happy except today when it's 22, but ultimately, even if you're stuck in a place and then finally, when you do get to get out, and you go outside, you feel great when it's sunny. When it's right. not sunny, you feel like garbage. And if it's cold and gloomy and everything, so the seasonal depression is definitely out there. And if you don't get enough sunlight, so being outdoors is such an important thing. Do you have tips for people that they're dealing with this winter depression, as the winter blues is, I guess we'll title today's program. Absolutely. So the first thing is, you know, even if the weather's too cold to go outside or it's raining, you can't go outside. There's a few things that you can do. Uh, for instance, the first thing I do in the morning, I have a picture of myself and my two dogs standing in a river in the springtime. And uh, and I have it posted right in front of my bed. And so every morning when I get up, that's the first thing I look up, look at. And and I and I envision myself there from a mood perspective. I can feel myself being in the river with my dogs. And just a few moments of that visioning really creates the mood for the day, regardless of what the weather is like outside, because now I may not be able to do that for the day, but it, it, it's a reminder. It's almost like a check-in with yourself of, of how you want to feel. Um, so that's definitely one of the things you can do is find a place that's really means uh, something to you, being outside or being with friends and family um, from a place where you can't. Uh, go to. Um, so that that's a recommendation. And it's it's a situation where you find things that you enjoy, like different things, make it not so always Groundhog Day all over again, which we dealt with with COVID. And we've we've really never reprogrammed ourselves away from COVID in a way of how we dealt with things. We're so used to, okay, I can just work a straight 14 hours at a desk and not have to move at all. And get caught up in calls and caught up in specific things. And that can be just one day, but it doesn't. And and, in ways of doing that. And and sometimes, Marisa, it's a situation where maybe watching when you're doing monotonous work, a a movie, or doing certain things where you're not as productive is an okay thing sometimes, especially if you can't do anything. That you're absolutely today, you know, there's no way for me to go. And and travel to Salad and go and get some nice salad and go. Salad and go is the best place in Texas, by the way, for a very low cost salad that's healthy and they, they really good healthy food. You can't. So I'm waiting for that check from Salad and go. But ultimately, I'm not going to be able to go out to Salad and go tonight. You know, I'm not going to be able to go out to the grocery store tonight. I'm going to be stuck in, which is weird for saying in Texas. But ultimately, that's where you're you're you try to find do something fun each and every day. And you reward yourself in the, especially in the winter. Am I correct? With some sort of reward because of the hard work you've done, 
Self-rewarding yourself is such an important thing. Don't expect other people to validate you. I'm learning that now and, 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 and at age 50 that I don't need other people's validation. I could validate myself for the success I've done or something I've done well and pat myself on the back, not have to ask someone else to pat me on the back. And I think it's because we're so not wanting to give ourselves stuff and give ourselves things because we're told being selfish is the wrong thing to do when ultimately it's the best thing for our mental health, right? So having that TV, right? So you're, 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 I'm on the right track, right? Putting Absolutely. That- I, you know, I don't watch TV. I'd rather be outside. But in the, in those times that you you can't, um, yeah, it's just it's just looking at things from a different perspective. Whether you sit down and it's watching a movie, or even just the fact that how often does it snow at, or or hailstorm in Texas? Right. Uh, well, I'm a Pittsburgher, so I don't want to even know that's here. But that's for other people. But, but for those that rarely see it, look out the window. Just enjoy the view. Right. Look, try to try to observe it rather than just be impacted right by it, right? Just stand, look out the window, watch people drive and pass through it, through it. Look at the hail coming down, look at the snow, just appreciate it and change your perspective, even if for a few moments, right? Think about what you could do. It's um, all about it's, mindset, isn't it? It's all about how we look at, look at every experience and every situation as, okay, I need more or I want to have more and that's why I want more. And it's And I'm not gonna be disappointed if I don't get it. And, right. uh, and when bad things happen, as uh, Dr. Mary talks about loss, loss of everything, that we go through losses each and every day, how do we overcome that tough situation just happened to us? How do we overcome these situations? And winter blues is a loss. A lot of people don't want to be stuck. COVID was a loss for us. And how right. do we now navigate through that? And that's the type of stuff you do, Marisa, especially helping companies with their employees so that they can keep that. Because if you don't have that mental health in order, which a lot of us are still dealing with, we all deal with mental health in some way, but people are dealing really bad. They're not going to perform well at work. Are they Marisa? Nope. Not at all. And, and, and to what you talked about is everyone is so busy and they're, they're in work and, and they operate just trying to get the work done, right? And it might be they can't go out or they can't go exercise because of weather. But what's important is that they have to take care of their mental health. If their mental health is strong, then when it when you have an off day, when when you're struggling because you can't go out and you have the winter blues, you, when you have a balanced mental health, um, then you can you can manage those days, right? You can deal with those days and it just makes it a lot easier. So it's not just I'm having a really bad day and I have to fix this day. It's about living with intention every single day to make sure you support yourself through the good days, through the bad days and, and keep a more balanced lifestyle from a mental health perspective. Best place people can connect with you is where, Marisa? Uh, MyEverydayBeing.com and uh, I'm always available. All right. Thanks again. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment. I'm really excited about the new podcast that I'm going to be co-hosting with Kim Sorrell, and it's called Love Is. Kim, how are you? You've been my co-host for Celebrity Interviews for a few months, and They've been amazing conversations, but now you're going to tell us about Love Is. So tell us about Love Is. Yeah, Neil, I'm so excited about this podcast. I'm excited to be doing it with you because I think you and I have this great chemistry online together. So it's pretty fun. But I had this journey that I've been through. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and then passed away six weeks later. And it was a strange, weird, crazy time of life. And it made me question some things. I had a great marriage. He was a wonderful guy, but it made me question love, the true meaning of love. You know, there's so many songs, there's poems, there's books, there's movies, but there's still this mystery around what love really is. And so I decided I was going to figure it out. So I went on a year long quest to figure out what the true meaning of love is. I took this 2,000-year-old poem that you hear at a lot of weddings, and your eyes kind of glaze over because you hear it so often. Love is patient. Love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, et cetera. 
And I decided I would take one word a month and figure out what is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? I soon figured out that there are actually 14 is's and isn'ts of love. So 12 months wasn't going to cut it. So it took me a little bit longer than a year. And most of the time I was in Haiti while I was working on it, which gave it kind of an interesting twist. And the things that I find found out about love just changed my life, rocked my world. And I know would be life-changing and world-changing for anyone. I think this is fabulous because again, you you went and had to serve others and you learned about what love is. And I think for, it depend, it doesn't matter what religion you are, what your spirituality is. We, when we give and we love others, we are going to feel more passionate about our lives, be more excited about what we're doing. We help people and that's the thing that's missing in a lot of ways is service first, and then the rest will follow. Uh, a good friend of mine, Harry Spate, even talks about that in sales as he's about service. And it's, it's bottom line. It's the truth that if you go ahead and don't have love in your heart and whatever thing you do, it's going to end up failing miserably in your life. Even if you have success on paper, you're not going to have success in your relationships you're not going to have success in uh, the people that you meet, and they're not going to see you as somebody who changed their lives. I had a story of one client that told me, said, Neil, if you wouldn't have helped me through this, I literally would not be doing what I want to transform people. And that was just such a powerful thing. You don't get to hear those messages all the time. But when you do, it's powerful. And I know that the way this show Love Is is going to be going is the same way. We just love talking to people. And we're going to talk to people that, you know, some people might know who they are. It's not celebrities, but they're going to talk about stories of how they bring love into their life. And then you're able to kind of give feedback. And you're excited about that because there's going to be people that really are doing what you're doing on a regular basis. So it's exciting. Yeah, I think it's very exciting. You know, love is one of those things that's universal. So you're absolutely right. It's not it doesn't depend on your religion or what you do for a living or where you live in the world or the color of your skin, your sexual orientation. None of that matters. You know, love is, is love and it is for everyone. And it's something that is, is something that everyone can live. And when you do, the quality of life is just so much greater. And then you couple that with service and, and you just become this authentic person and not, not, given a sales pitch, not trying to inspire people uh, from not the right place. You know, you got to have the right heart to really talk to people and really care. And it all starts with love. Absolutely. And the best place for people to go right now is your website. However, very soon the podcast will be up as this is the initial episode. We're going to be interviewing some amazing people. But what I want as, you know, as the media giant wants for you is a podcast that really speaks to your signature programs of what you're doing. Your goal is to transform society through love. And you've already proven it with how many people have loved your book. And it's going to become a movement as your Facebook group community, all those different places your Facebook's already filled up to 5,000. People are going to have to either follow you on Facebook or other social media platforms because you're getting busy and you're really helping people with your message. So the best place people can go is where? Well, my um, website is kimsorrell.com or easier yet is loveis.info. Loveis.info. You get taken right to my website and there's lots of information and lots of great stuff there. All right. So this was the initial podcast of Love Is. Looking forward to some amazing guests. I appreciate the time, Kim, and we will talk very soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Neil. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also the Media Giant Effect. I'm excited to welcome to the program from Simkovitz Concussion Institute, Dr. Charles Simkovitz. Dr. Charles, how are you? Thanks for stopping by again. Good. How are you today? Fantastic. So we're going to go right into this topic, car accidents. We've been talking a lot about sports injuries, and we'll jump back onto that next week again. But when you talk about specifically being in a car accident, this is an area where a lot of times there is trauma that happens to you in a car accident that you just don't think about at the first time a point of contact that you could have a concussion or you could have or a brain related injury from a car crash, car crash, correct? 
right yeah yeah the car accidents are actually interesting the most common question i get is what do i see the most concussions from everybody assumes it's sports related football hockey but it's actually car accidents auto accidents and, and it's just sheer numbers there are a lot more people in the world driving than there are playing sports and the fact is these are big heavy machines traveling at high rates of speed so when you have a big impact uh people are affected and the the concussions from car accidents are are are, are can have the potential to be very damaging um Luckily, when we were doing our initial uh, original research for all of this work, uh, I was lucky enough to have a patient who's the CEO of the Society of Automotive Engineers, SAE, and their international corporate headquarters are in Warrendale, Pennsylvania, which is about six miles north of me. They had an unbelievable research library uh, that was full of information to help formulate and help us understand what car accidents actually do to people. Uh, who sustain trauma and head injuries from them. Uh, it goes far greater than just structural uh, damage. Uh, this fellow was uh, nice enough to give me the run of the place, and, and uh, he since has passed away actually years ago. But uh, you have most of the time in car accidents, multiple, uh, what would seemingly be multiple concussions from the actual injury itself. If you're, it, Let's talk about G4 first, four, four, a pressure um, at eight G's, an astronaut will pass out or pilot from the pressure in a 15 mile an hour collision straight from behind. There's 12 G forces exerted on the brainstem of the spine. So we're talking a greater force than what makes an astronaut pass out. It's instantaneous. Uh, as the speed go, gets higher, the force that you are hit with is goes greater and greater. Unfortunately, a rotational force, or in other words, if you're spun or if your head's turned at the point of impact, that's even a greater force that they can't even measure. It's exponentially higher. That brings up what's called a uh, an, a concussion. You can have a concussion without hitting your head, such as in a whiplash. It's called a coup contra coup injury. When your head is whipped forward and backwards rapidly, your brain actually bounces off the inside of the skull and then rebounds and hits the opposite side. So your brain gets hit by a hard bone twice you add to that a lot of times in accidents people will hit their head on the headrest or the side window or the airbag is de deployed which is like getting punched in the face i believe right. force is equal to like a 20 gauge shotgun shell that deploys that bag because it has to come out it inflates very quickly even though it's a bag it inflates when it's fully inflated it's, it's a hard surface that you can hit your face so uh, car accidents traditionally uh do more damage than even sports injuries uh i i have uh, for one case in particular was a, a fellow who had just graduated from pit dental school and on the night of graduation he was in a car accident where his head hit the door of the car so hard it separated from the frame but this fellow graduated from dental school with honors and um for two years he couldn't pass his national boards, which you need to get licensed to practice. He was unloading trucks for UPS for two years with a dental oh, degree. Anyway, he got referred to me. He went through the treatment plan and uh, he had failed the national boards for two years. After we were done with the treatment plan, six weeks later, he passed his national boards. And he's now been in practice for 15 years. Uh, and the guy actually gets very emotional when he's sharing that story because he could have lost his his, his livelihood. I have a surgeon who uh, she was hit in a car accident, 70 miles an hour, and she was living in her basement for a year, didn't practice. Uh, she was living in the dark with sunglasses on. And anyway, she she came uh, to uh, be treated. And um, within six weeks, she was back to practice. She's now working for 10 hours a day back to practice. Interestingly enough, this same surgeon had gone through um evaluated for vision therapy, which is a therapy that's very valuable and it's great in rehabbing concussions after they're done with our protocol. And um, she got evaluated and then she got treated and then she went back and got evaluated. And the eye doctor said, you know, your, your eyes are perfect, but she knew she didn't do any of the vision therapy because it's all done online and said, what well, asked what happened. Well, a lot of times when you when you remedy the structural faults involved with the cranial bones from the trauma, 
the eye muscles attached to these different bones and cranial nerves that control eye movement pass through the sphenoid bone and your optic nerve passes through there. So once you stabilize this, uh, the uh, malfunctioning of, of these cranial bones, the eye muscles just start working well on their own. So a lot of times, you know, they, they can forego the, the, those different types of therapies. So yeah, car accidents, if you think about it, you're traveling at high rates of speed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so this is it. Code to Simkovich Concussion Institute.com right now to schedule.